Welcome to the Finding True Health Podcast. Are you ready to reject diet culture without rejecting your health? Do you want to feel a sense of peace around food and your body while also creating habits that will help you feel your best each day? Hey, I'm Jenna, a registered dietitian, a committed follower of Jesus Christ, and a middle-aged mom. Not long ago, I felt like I was at war with my body. I believed I needed to reach some arbitrary goal weight to be healthy and happy. But one day, God helped me realize that I was focused on the wrong thing. So I began to treat my body with the love and respect it deserves through both my thoughts and my actions. And that new focus has made all of the difference. Now I love helping other women find true health for themselves so they can enjoy more energy, better moods, and greater peace in their own lives. I'm excited to get started, so let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am very excited about this topic, though I have to admit a little apprehensive to dive in just because I tend to get a little sensitive and emotional around some of the the things and the stories that I'm going to be sharing today. But I think that they are so important. And I know that sharing some of my experiences and vulnerabilities can help so many women out there who might be experiencing similar things. So hopefully some of you will find this episode helpful. Last week, we talked about our food stories and how we got those stories, what they mean in our lives, how they shape how we view food and how we feed ourselves. And this week, we're going to be talking about our body stories. Just like everybody has a food story, everybody has a body story as well. But before really diving too deep into that topic, I want to just point out that we actually have stories about pretty much every relationship that we're in in our lives. And our stories about other people affect how we treat them and how we think about them and our relationship with them. So for example, I have lots of stories about my husband, Jarrett. I have stories about how he's a really hard worker and he's really smart and he's kind, and he cares about our community. He's served on our city council for almost eight years now. I have stories about what a great husband he is, and all of these stories are backed up by a lot of experiences we've had and a lot of thoughts I've had about him through the 17 years of marriage that we've enjoyed. And a lot of these stories serve me and him really well. They help me treat him with love and kindness and appreciation, And these are stories I want to keep. Now, I have other stories about my husband that maybe don't serve me or him as well, that might lead me to feelings of anger or resentment at times. And I'm not going to give details, of course, of some of these stories. But one topic that we tend to disagree on a lot in our marriage is with raising our kids. He and I were raised very differently with different parenting styles. And of course, we've brought those into our own parenting. And so I tend to be a little more on the lenient, uh, give a lot of mercy end. And he tends to be a little more on the strict, give the justice end. And the beautiful thing is we need both of those in our parenting, right? It's one of those proving contrary things where both attributes are great. Mercy is needed and wonderful. Justice is needed and wonderful especially when raising kids. And so the beauty is we really balance each other well, but because, of course, we tend to think that our way is the right way, (laughs) when our two styles clash, 
a lot of times I go into stories about how I'm doing it right and he's doing it wrong and I'm helping our kids and he's hurting them and, and all these stories. And I've noticed that these stories don't help me. They don't help us come together in a uni- unified way of raising our kids. They don't help me have feelings of love and appreciation for my husband. So some of those parenting stories that I've had, I've realized that I want to change. I don't like the story that I've built around my husband and his parenting style. And so that's an example of a story that's not serving us and a story that I want to rewrite and find a new story that is going to better serve our marriage and our children. Now, I also have stories about each of my kids and what their strengths and weaknesses are and what they like and dislike. And again, these stories are formed through experiences I've had with them, and many of them are serving me and serving them, and I want to keep them. But some of them might not be. Some of them might be affecting how I treat them or what I encourage them to do in their life. And so I just like to kind of evaluate on occasion some of the stories that I have in my relationships with other people and see if there's anything I want to change. See if there is anything that isn't serving that relationship somehow or might even be harming it in some way. So what do all these stories about my husband and my kids have to do with our body stories? Well, I view our relationships with our bodies just like I I view a relationship with somebody else. We have thoughts about our bodies. We have experiences with our bodies. We treat our bodies in certain ways. And in large part, this is because of the story that we have about our bodies. And I believe that the vast majority of women have a body story that is leading them to things that are not serving them, things that are holding them back in some way. They are way too quick to criticize, punish, hate, or at least strongly dislike their bodies, um, trying to manipulate their bodies to conform to certain standards. The stories that they have are leading them to do harmful, unhealthy, sometimes dangerous things to their bodies, but they also might be holding them back from doing things that they really want to do, taking a dance class or going for a job promotion or doing certain things with their kids or any number of things that Because of the story they have about their bodies, they feel like that's just not possible for them. One example in my life is I almost gave up my dream and education and degree and experience and didn't come back to working as a dietitian. Shortly after I got my dietetics degree, I got pregnant with our first child. So I had a little bit of time to work in the field, but then I had our first baby and I, I went down to part-time. I did work a couple days a week still, but by the time we had our, I think it was our third baby, I decided to just be done altogether so I can could stay home full-time and raise our kids. And there came a point in our marriage and our family where we were really struggling financially. Um, just a whole lot of things happened all in the same year that it's kind of like one hit after another hit after another hit that made our finances really stressful. And so I wanted to help out a little bit as much as I could to make some money and help ease the stress that my husband was feeling. And so I remember one day I was kind of throwing out some ideas for what I could do to earn some money. And I was talking to my younger sister, Joy, and she said, well, Jenna, you're a dietitian. Why don't you go back and work as a dietitian again. But by this point, 
My body had changed. I was a lot bigger than I was when I was a dietitian before. And my brain just automatically dismissed the idea. And I didn't say it out loud, but, but in my head I thought, well, yeah, but I'm fat. So I can't work as a dietitian. <laughs> Nobody would trust me. Nobody would believe the advice I was giving them. People would say, well, you obviously don't practice what you preach. You know, I had all these ideas and stories about my body and what it meant to be fat and what other people would think of me and my body. And I just legitimately thought I cannot be a dietitian at this size. It wasn't even an option, which is so sad because now that I am working again as a dietitian and sharing my knowledge and my life experiences, I see how my body image issues and my naturally bigger body have been real assets to helping me relate to and empathize with and understand the people that I serve. And it's so sad to think that the story that I had about my body and about bodies in general could have prevented me from doing this important work that I'm involved in now and helping women out there. And I know that that's not the only time that I allowed my body image issues to hold me back from doing things. So that's why I think it's so important that we do this work of really diving into our body story and trying to figure out where it came from and how it was formed so that we can have some compassion for ourselves, number one, but also take a hard look at what it's preventing us from doing in our lives, how it's holding us back so that we can make changes to that story as needed. So let's talk about how our body stories are formed. We don't have to look too far to see how our thoughts and feelings about our bodies have been formed. Obviously, society, the media, just our culture in general, things like movies, commercials, magazines, um, now social media, all those things play such a big role in how we view our bodies. In the book, More Than a Body by Lindsay and Lexi Kite, which if you've been listening to me for a while, you know, this is one of my favorite books that have to do with body image. And I quote it a lot because I love it so much. But there is one passage that jumped into my mind as I was preparing this podcast, where they talked about the TV show Saved by the Bell, and how that show helped shape their body image. And that was a show that I remember watching during some of my most formative years and really related to this passage. So I wanted to read it really quickly. They said, when we were kids growing up in Idaho in the 80s and 90s, we stepped into the shallow waters of objectification and began constructing our own body image maps while watching our favorite show in elementary school, Saved by the Bell. Our shared first crush, the first of too many shared crushes on screen and off, unfortunately, Lindsay and Lexi are twin sisters, Zach Morris always pursued the perky, beautiful Kelly Kapowski and other close variations of her character while audiences pitied the chubby, dorky girls Zach reluctantly had to take out on dates along the way. Lexi then says, After watching a prom-themed episode of Saved by the Bell after school in fourth grade, I finished a bath by standing in front of a full-length mirror with a towel wrapped around me like a form-fitting tube dress. I wondered if I would ever get invited to go to a dance, if I would wear something similar, and if I would ever be skinny enough to qualify for either. And it wasn't just saved by the bell instilling fear in my heart that my body wasn't thin enough. Compounding it was every other kid and family show out there in which every single girl or woman had a very thin body, 
from Full House and Fresh Prince to Clarissa Explains It All, California Dreams, The Wonder Years, and everything in between. The girls on those shows shaped and reinforced what we were learning about what it means to be a woman. That thinness is paramount. Leading women's primary role is looking hot and being pursued by men. And women and girls who aren't conventionally attractive are the funny sidekicks, supportive friends, ghastly villains, or the butt of the jokes, but never qualified to be the star or love interest. So again, obviously, these media messages that we've been getting since we were little girls have played a huge role in our body stories. And another really strong driving factor to how we perceive our bodies and the bodies of others is how the other women in our lives talked about their bodies or the bodies of other people, maybe even including you. I hear lots of stories of women who remember watching their moms standing in front of the mirror criticizing themselves or talking about how they really needed to go on a diet or maybe it was their cousins or aunts or grandmas or sisters. I think a lot of times we took on the stories that other people had about themselves and projected them onto ourselves just subconsciously. I had some role model men in my life that didn't necessarily comment on my body, but I heard them commenting on other other women's bodies and what they liked and didn't like. And of course, I projected that then onto myself and meant that, well, then I needed to look like those other women as well. So as always, I don't want you to go pointing fingers and putting a bunch of blame and shame on other people that might have impacted your body story in a negative way because they had their own influences affecting their own body stories. So it's just this vicious cycle. So that's why I'm so passionate about helping women be the one to stop it, to end the cycle once and for all. I feel like our society is inching closer there. We're starting to become more and more aware of how these messages and beauty ideals affect young girls and women. But we still have a long ways to go. There's still way too much talk of bodies and what bodies look like and other people's bodies and and all of that. So now I'm going to get just a little more vulnerable. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I want to share just some specific examples that I could pull out of my memory from childhood and how those things truly affected me my entire life and continue to do so as a 43-year-old middle-aged woman And just how powerful some of these experiences can be in shaping how we view our bodies. And maybe you can relate to some of these experiences. And I want to share this because I actually had a really, what I would consider healthy childhood. I wasn't constantly being bullied about my body. I didn't have parents who were putting me on diets. I didn't have people constantly commenting on my body or shaming me. And I know some of you did, and I'm so, so sorry if that was your experience. But I think that a lot of times we wrongly assume that as long as our children aren't being bullied or having a lot of direct negative comments made about their body, then it's not going to affect their body image, that they're going to have a fine body image, and that we don't need to worry about talking about these things with them. And I also want to point out that I was in like a slightly larger body body as a child, but I wasn't in a very large body. And there again, I think that a lot of times we wrongly assume if our child isn't in a very large body, then they aren't having to worry about things like this and their body image is just fine. 
So I share these experiences for twofold. Number one, to help you kind of dive into your own body story, the experiences you've had, things that have contributed to having maybe more of a difficult relationship with your body and poor body image to this point in your life. And also as kind of a warning and a plea to talk about these things with your kids, your nieces and nephews, not just girls, but boys as well. Like body image issues are so prevalent with everybody, kids of all sizes, all ages. (laughs) I don't think that there is anyone who's exempt from feeling less than or some shame about their bodies. And so if we can start nipping it in the bud when these kids are younger, then that can prevent them from having to go through a lifetime of poor body image and having it affect them in many ways throughout their lives. So here are a few personal experiences that I had growing up that affected my body story. I remember watching a Disney cartoon where Goofy gains weight and there's a scene where he can't see his toes over his stomach. And so for years, whenever I stood in the shower, I'd stand up really straight and just kind of let my stomach hang down. And I would look over to see if my stomach came out far enough to block my view of my toes. And if it didn't, I felt like I was all right. And if it did, which it it often did, I felt horrible about myself and felt like I really needed to lose weight. I remember a conversation with a close relative of mine when I was about 10 or 11 years old where they really lovingly told me about their concern with my recent increased weight gain. And again, this was done with such love and concern, but the message I got from that conversation was, there's something wrong with your body. It is not the right size and we need to fix it. I remember watching The Little Mermaid over and over. It was one of the only Disney VHS tapes that we had growing up, and I loved the music in it. So I would watch a part of the song, and then I'd pause the show, and I'd write down the words, and then I'd continue on and write down the words to every single song, and then I'd memorize the words, and I'd sing those songs constantly. And to this day, I can still remember every single song from The Little Mermaid, but As I'd watch that show over and over, I'd see Ariel with her bare, extremely thin stomach, her hourglass shape, and I would wish so badly that I could look like that. I remember as a teenager subscribing to Seventeen magazine and seeing article after article about how to lose weight, how to get, quote, firm, how to vanish my cellulite, how to look like so such and such celebrity, just message after message, article after article about what my body should look like, and how to get there. I remember one particularly painful experience when I was in junior high getting some books out of my locker, and there was a boy who I don't remember ever seeing before. I don't think I knew him. But he ran up to me and blurted out, hey, I think I hear Jenny Craig calling, and he ran away. And most of you probably know Jenny Craig was one of the big diets in the 90s. And I was just crushed. That was a really painful experience. I remember catching a glimpse of a note that a girl who I didn't really know passed to one of my friends. And I read enough of it that to get the message that it said, hey, you should stop being friends with Jenna because she's fat and you shouldn't be her friend anymore. I remember overhearing another conversation when a a close relative of mine was joking about my weight to some other family members and they thought that I couldn't hear them. I don't think they 
knew that I was home, but I was actually in my bedroom and could hear everything they were saying. And some of these stories you can see still bring tears to my eyes. Not because I haven't forgiven these people. We all do and say stupid things, especially when we're kids. But they're still really painful to think about. I think mostly because I just feel so badly for that little 13-year-old girl who had to listen to that conversation and had to go through some of those experiences and the effects that they had on how she viewed herself, her body, and just herself as a person. And these are just a few of the memories that popped to my mind. Of course, there were lots of other subtle, more subliminal messages that I got for years and years, along with every other single girl in the United States that taught us what a, quote, ideal body looks like, and on the other end, what a, quote, shameful or unattractive body looks like. And Every one of those messages helps form our stories. So, (laughs) is it any wonder that I've suffered from poor body image much of my life? As I've shared these experiences, maybe you've had experiences pop into your head. Maybe some that are far more painful even than mine. And so I want you to ask yourself, is it any wonder (laughs) that you might struggle with having a good relationship with your body at this point in your life. Whenever I'm tempted to get frustrated with myself, if I'm having a rough body image day, then I try to remind myself of the decades of messages like these that I've been receiving. And it makes it much easier to give myself some grace and compassion. Of course, we're going to struggle with our body image from time to time, or perhaps all the time if you're early on in this journey. If these are the messages that you've been receiving, of course you're going to have a hard and strained relationship with your body. You have to give yourself some grace and compassion. And even if you've been doing this work for years like I have, we can't expect the the pain in those messages to just vanish completely. They're a part of who we are. They are deeply ingrained within us. And so the number one step is to Give yourself so much love and compassion and grace if poor body image is something that you struggle with. But the beautiful thing is that even though I still have my moments and my days, I don't let my those rough body image moments affect how I treat my body anymore. I don't starve it or deprive it. I don't turn to food to deal with the shame or the sadness. I don't let the way I feel about my body hold me back from pursuing goals or dreams. We don't have to allow our body stories to dictate how we live. The other beautiful thing is that you can go from having a rough body image life down to just having maybe a few rough body image days here and there or moments even. It doesn't have to consume your life or shape your decisions or your actions. And eventually you can start seeing poor body image for what it truly is which is a compilation of the messages and the experiences that you've had over the years that have formed your story about your body. And then we can even work to change that story. I've mentioned I still have rough body image days, but I have to tell you the vast majority of my days are not that way. 
my story has changed from feeling like there was something wrong with my body, feeling like I had to look a certain way to love myself, to now knowing that my body is amazing, knowing that how my body looks is such an unimportant part of who I am, having a deep, true appreciation for all that my body does and allows me to do every day, even when it doesn't perform exactly how I wish or would like, still appreciating and knowing that it's doing its best and that we are a team together. And I want to do everything I can to help my teammate, my body, to feel great. I love the phrase I've heard before that having a good body image doesn't mean that you know your body looks good. It means that you know your body is good. For me, it's really taking the main focus off of how my body looks and just onto how it feels. And not to say that it's bad if we want to be well-groomed and look nice and wear beautiful clothes and things like that. But when it comes to our relationship with our body, with how we think about and treat our body, making that shift to just treating our bodies with love and respect, no matter how they look or how we feel about how they look, is such important work and not always easy, but something that is completely possible for you, I promise. That is why doing this body story work can be so powerful, painful at times, but powerful. I want you to just take some time in the near future and think about what your body story is, how it was formed, and then decide what you want your story to be going forward. How do you want to start thinking about and feeling about your body? What are the current thoughts that you have that are serving you in your relationship with your body and which ones need to go and need to be replaced? And then take some time to think about how your body story has maybe held you back from doing things in your life that maybe you would be doing differently right now if you had better body image and a different story. I love you, my friends. I thank you for doing this work on yourself. Like I said, I know it can be hard and painful, but it's not just helping you. It's helping all of the people in your life when we show up confidently and with love and respect for ourselves and we don't feel a need to apologize for our bodies in any way. That gives other people permission to do the same and to accept and embrace and love their bodies as is as well. And then hopefully that leads us all to treating our bodies well, to pursuing health in a sustainable way, and just making the world a better place. I hope you have a fantastic day and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, real quick before you go, if you found this episode helpful, could you do me a huge favor and take just a minute or two to leave me a rating and review? It really helps the show get found by more people and it just lights me up to know that the show is helping someone out there and that I should continue putting out more episodes. Thank you so much.